Hello and welcome to the Winning a Business podcast. If you're an existing listener, you may have noticed we've taken a break for a few months and you might be expecting series five of Hitting the Wall podcast. We took some time out to focus on the business and it became clear that it was time to refresh things on the podcast with more focus on what winning looks like. Still inspired by my best-selling book, Hitting the Wall, we're going to talk all things winning and what's involved to win at business. In my time as a professional tennis coach, I never once coached a racket or a ball. It was always the player. Business is no different. It's a game, one you can win or lose. Our episodes will focus on what's involved in playing the game of business effectively, and most importantly, how to win. Each episode will be a conversation with me, alongside my co-host and producer, Shirley Heron, an experienced owner and coach herself. From buying psychology to overcoming internal barriers to marketing and building your team, we'll aim to cover all aspects of what's involved to play the game to the best of your ability. So sit back and listen to these short, sharp, punchy episodes. And please let us know what you think and what topics you'd like us to cover. So uh, this week's episode, welcome everybody. I thought we would have a little conversation about, um, I've kind of titled it uh, kind of physician heal thyself type thing. I'll explain what I mean uh, as we go along. And um, yeah, there's kind of two things here. I might sort of blend it in with some talk about recruitment as well, because I think that's that's something that's been coming up a lot Mm. um, in recent conversations with with clients. So this this sort of heal thyself thing is I I was having a a chat with a, um, a client probably a month ago now three weeks doesn't really matter and he's he's got background in marketing Mm. so he's been um you know chief pointy hat marketer whatever you want to call it a a, a large large corporate knows his onions had a team of people working for him uh understands digital marketing understands the principles of marketing um could probably write the book on Mm. marketing as many people could do smart guy Okay, and he now runs his own business. And we were having a chat about his customer acquisition strategy, following a conversation about pricing, interestingly. And I said to him, so your, your, um, your marketing strategy for the, you know, the next year, um, let, should we go through that? And he looked at me and went, what marketing strategy? I said, well, you know, what campaigns are you going to run over Easter? What you what have you got set for Christmas next year? Um, summer, when it gets a bit quieter. New Year, obviously, will take care of itself because people are banging down the door for his business. He runs a gym. Mm. And all that sort of stuff. And he said, well, we just sort of make it up as we go along. <laughs> I said, oh, that, that's really interesting. I said, don't you have a background in marketing? <laughs> And he said, yeah. And I said, so when, when you became a business owner and you started this business, did you forget you had a background in marketing or did that part of your brain get cut away and got replaced with business owner brain? And he sort of looked at me like I'm mad because I am a little bit. But he went, I'm not sure I get it. I said, you've got all these skills. You know, you 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 were head of marketing for a, a global company. Mm. Why are you not applying them in your own business? And he looked at me and he sort of said, 
I don't know. And I just thought it was a really interesting subject that we all have skills from previous lives or at school or whether it's because we've got... Um, uh, perfect example for me is the, 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 the discipline I showed being able to turn up for training every day as a, as a, as a tennis player mm. has translated really easily into turning up and being disciplined and practicing or training with the things that I need to do for the business. Mm-hmm. You know, I write an email once a week. It's not a lot of work, but it's a hell of a lot of... It's very easy not to do it, mm. but I've created a habit and it's part of practice and it's, it's part of my weekly routine, as was sprint work, weight work, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I do it. So I've, I've got those skills of how to kind of create a, a working pattern and, and a training schedule, if you like, and I've applied it to my business. Mm-hmm. He hasn't. And it just, it got me thinking about how many other people have got these skills, have got um, uh, an ability, if you like, but as soon as they have this business owner hat on, they forget that it exists. Because I, I promise you, if he was in a room with other business owners and somebody else in that room said, oh, I'm really struggling with my marketing, mm-hmm. he would jump in and he would be able to fix it. He would be able to just step right up there and go, well, what you need to do is this, this, this. It's really easy. Look, I'll show you and I'll help you do it. I don't even do that anymore, but this is, you know, we can throw something together. It'll be a lot of fun and yeah. let, let's go and I'll, I'll find some time for you. But why doesn't he do it for himself? I don't know. Why doesn't he? It's uh, un- maybe I'm more unusual because I think a lot of people end up doing businesses in a role that they've previously done in an employed way and that's the bit that they're good at and they fig- they, they focus on that and being the technician and they forget about all the things that it needs to be to be the business owner. So he sounds like the opposite of that. He's thrown himself into being the business owner and forgotten the skills that he's had from previous roles. Yeah, and, it, and it's interesting because we, we I've had a few other conversations with people recently about this sort of who are in the similar position where they're doing, they're providing a service for other business owners, for example, yet they don't apply those principles for their own business. Mm-hmm. So, so a, a great example. Um, I know somebody whose business is essentially um, doing outsourced business development. Mm -hmm. And he's really, really good at talking to people, generating relationships, and creating leads for the businesses that he represents. And he can represent three or four businesses at a time. And he's got, one, the ability to kind of juggle those so that Mm -hmm. there's no mix. Um, uh, when, when it does kind of overlap, he uses that as an advantage. Uh, he's very disciplined with his time. But his business isn't growing. Mm. So although he clearly can sell, yeah. and he, he clearly knows how to develop relationships, when he's getting paid to do it by another business, he does it, and he turns up, and he delivers the value. But he doesn't do it for his own business. 
Mm. And it's not because he can't. Yeah. He just doesn't think to do it. So we had a conversation, we had a conversation about him setting himself up. This sounds a little bit weird, but basically him setting his business up as a client of his and actually putting an invoice in and only being paid, so only taking dividend out of the business, if you like, if he'd done the work on behalf of his own business. So to just Mm. treat it as a... He's currently working with four clients. Well, you need to create a fifth client and you need to set up a contract and you need to create a direct debit into a different account because that's Mm. how he gets paid on a retainer basis. And you only get paid if you've done the work. So you need now need to craft your week into five sections rather than four sections or your day or whatever it is. You need to have five notebooks rather than four notebooks mm. or, or whatever it is. It's a mindset thing, isn't it? It is. It's re- and, but he was like, oh, but if I do that, I've got less time for my real clients. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, but if... if you're not going to have a business if you don't treat your business as a client. I mean, that's what a wonderful skill mm. to be able to sell that comfortably. Yeah, most people would leads. chop the right arm off for Wouldn't that. They? Yeah, but he's he's very happy to give it away, or not give it away, but to sell it to other people, mm. but not utilize it in his own business. Same with, you know, gym owner, um, being great at marketing, understanding the principles, knowing how to put a strategy together. The fact that he can do his own his own paid ads and his own social, he's a really good content writer as well. I mean, mm. his copy's fantastic. And most people will will pay thousands of pounds a month to get access to that. He has it on tap for free. Mm. Doesn't mm. use it. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't know. I don't know what to say about that. To be honest, the. Email marketer who doesn't use email in his own marketing mm. but charges thousands of pounds to do it for other people and does a really, really good job mm. but then gets a little bit concerned that he's not generating enough work for himself. Mm-hmm. The copywriter whose website is illegible. It does beg the question of like those those things particularly less so the gym owner but those things are essentially their shop window for clients to see what they can do and so if they don't have a website or they're not using email marketing effectively then how how are they winning business because it's Mm. not from those things is it and so it's almost in spite of not doing those things which means that it's even more awesome because just think how easy it would be if they were doing the thing that they're actually selling. Yeah, and, I, and I'm trying to get my head around and, and sitting here hoping that I'm not doing the same thing. But uh, <laughs> uh, I think because, well, it's too easy for me to say, okay, well, my skill is facilitation and coaching. Um, do I need to facilitate more coaching conversations with myself? I don't know. I think I'm pretty self-aware and challenge myself on a regular basis mm. and so I probably probably do I might be finding excuses there I don't know and I, I think I do but um you know you, you'd never trust a skinny chef or a fat personal trainer you'd hope a personal trainer would train themselves as well wouldn't you 
rather than going, well, I only have time. Definitely a personal <laughs> trainer. I think Skinny Chef, it depends on what type of, of food they're promoting or what ethos, because if they are promoting, you know, healthy food, then you wouldn't want a fat chef, for example. No, I, I, do, and, and, the, the, <laughs> I know, the I know what you're saying. Is you never trust a chef that doesn't taste his own food. I know what you're saying. And if you're cooking all day, you hope he's tasting quite a lot. Yeah, or she's tasting quite a lot. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's just interesting. And, and I think I'm, I'm sitting here and I'm kind of reeling through every client that I've currently got. Mm. And suddenly aware that for every single one of them they have skills from a previous life or that is part of what they do mm. already that they're not applying within the business to make it more effective mm. to to grow it to make it more efficient to make it more profitable Whatever, whatever it is that they need to do. Mm. What do you think is stopping them then? Awareness, actually. Have they just forgotten that they've got these skills? or I don't know. Maybe just it's... Too sp- focused on other stuff? Probably that, or the lobotomy they had when they <laughs> became a business owner. I, I don't know. There's, but there's... It's, it's definitely... And I, I don't think it's just... <coughs> um, previous talent if you like mm. or acquired skill um, there's there's almost an element of s- cyclical f- forgetful behavior so I remember when I when I was a when I was a tennis coach in my old life you'd go on a CPD day and you'd pick up four or five new drills it weren't new drills they were old drills dressed up as new drills mm-hmm. And then probably for about a month, six weeks, it wouldn't matter which club you went to in the Oakland area, every coach was doing the same drill mm. because they picked it up. And then they just forget. And they go back to other stuff or they go and do another class and they deliver that. And then a year later, they go, oh, remember that drill that was really, really effective that we haven't done for nine months? Maybe we should do that again. Mm. So I don't think it's just this inability to take and inquire skill and, and, and deliver it. But the fact that we're also not very good at doing something that works, sticking to it, before moving on to just trying something new because it's new. Well, there, there's the story of every New Year's resolution almost. You know, we, we try these new things and we don't stick to them. Why don't we stick to them? Is it because we don't see results straight away? Um, I think possibly, partly. I think some of it is is that people give up when it gets a bit tough. You know, when you start something new, it's interesting and it's exciting and it's different. And so, the, you know, the, the enthusiasm carries you along. And when the enthusiasm wears off, that's when most people stop going to the gym or stop eating healthily or whatever your New Year's resolution is. So... What can you do when it gets to that sticking point to ensure that you dig deep and keep going? Because that's when it changes from being a resolution to a to, habit. To a habit. Yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think there are lots of things that people can do in their businesses that, if done consistently, 
and regularly would have an impact. But mm-hmm. because they can't see the impact immediately, they kind of look for the next silver bullet, if you like. Do you think that people um, make their resolutions or their their things that they're trying to do in their business too big because they they want to see measurable, impactful change? So they go for, instead of going, well, I'm going to focus on losing one pound, they go, I, I want to lose three stone, mm. but, you know. And then that three stone becomes uh, insurmountable. It, yeah, too big. it's too big. And instead of in, instead of going, okay, I'll break that down into smaller bits, and I'll just focus on the next pound, half pound, you know, whatever. They they get really caught up with looking at this big goal and going, well, I'll never be able to achieve that. It's just so big. It's so far away. I can't I can't see myself doing that. So they stop and they do nothing. And I think people do that in their business as well. Instead of, it, you know, they make a goal of saying, oh, I don't know, I'm going to turn over £100,000 this year. And then they can't see noticeable uh, movement towards that. So they say well, I'm never going to achieve it. I'll just stop. It's not working. Whatever I'm doing, it's not working. Instead of saying, I'm going to increase my um, turnover by £100 this week and £100 the next week. Yeah. Yeah. Because £100 doesn't seem that difficult. You know, if you you put your price up by 0.1% or something, no one would notice, but you'd probably get that £100. Yeah. It's, it's it's just it's a weird. I just think it's a really weird situation where people have got skills and they're not mm. using them in in internally. With it, and I wonder how much of that is because they don't value their own business as much as the businesses that they're working for. I mean, all the examples, in fairness, yeah, most of the examples that I can think of are based around B2B businesses. But there are a couple of B2C ones that I can, you mm. know... Uh, Maybe it's just well. that it's so... Uh, that skill is so normal and ingrained in them that they don't value it as a separate skill that they can use. So they see people paying them, but they maybe write it off as something different. They don't... Like, go back to your original example of marketing... Oh, sorry, let's not use that one because that's not quite the same thing. But, you know, your your um, email marketer who's not using email marketing yeah. or your copywriter who's not got um, copy, decent copy, is that, you know, that they, they just feel like either they're so busy with other work that they don't have time to do that or they see spending time on their own business as taking time away from paid work. So it's quite hard to separate that because essentially you're either saying I'm going to work more hours into my evenings and weekends or I'm going to turn down paid work Mm. to do that for myself. Or it's just so normal and part of their everyday that they don't actually value it in the same way that their clients value it. I think that I wonder whether that's actually the key bit Mm. that they take for granted that skill so much that they stop seeing it as a skill mm. and they put it in the same box as being able to tie their shoelaces yeah. eat walk yeah so it, it the, the value lessens and they don't they don't just don't see it as a skill and, mm. and then they they don't associate it as being something that can act as a lever and be of benefit mm-hmm. to themselves or the business 
and therefore they don't think to use it mm. at all. Um, yeah, so it's just it's. So what can they do then to be more self-aware? How how could they become aware of that? So there's a great exercise that I think people could do. Um, can't take credit for this. I think it, I think it came from Daniel Priestley, which is um, to how does he do it? I think it's to write down. Yes, to write down a list or record whatever is easiest. Every single achievement you've ever had. You know, starting with O levels, GCSEs, A levels, that award, your Duke of Edinburgh. You know, so you kind of like create this internal CV. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, the first piece of work you've done, how much, um, you know, add up all the money you've earned mm. um, every year in business or as an employee, and then what's the grand total? Because we always think of things like, mm. well, you know, I earn, I earn sixty grand a year, and you know, in that job, well, you did that for ten years. It's more than half a million that you've mm. earned, and all the rest of it. And you add all that up, and he he calls it. That's your mountain of value. Mm. And within that mountain of value are things that you can sell because other people can't do them and don't have that value, whether it's um, a skill you have or a way of looking at things, et cetera, et cetera. Um, But also it's a reminder of how much value you have to yourself Mm. and everything that you've achieved and accumulated um, because, you know, people have watched TV programs like, oh, what's that one where they where they uh, clean out people's houses? Um, it's like hoarders or something. Hoarders and, you know, you've got piles of newspaper. And people are really, really good at accumulating stuff. You know, I'm, I'm you know, every, every everybody who has a parent with a, a house with a loft is dreading it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, that kind of clear out thing. In fact, there are whole businesses where people do house clearances for that reason. But you've got the same amount of accumulated stuff in terms of ideas and value in your head. Mm-hmm. So by kind of bringing it out onto a piece of paper or, or whatever, you're 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 showing um, a tangible version of your the hoard. That you've accumulated in your head, except it's got far more value than piles of newspaper and, you know, um, all the stuff that's sitting, gathering dust in a corner of the third bedroom you haven't mm. used for 25 years underneath a tarpaulin um, <laughs> <laughs> um, with a birdcage on top. So uh, I think that's a really useful thing to do because then you can start looking at that going, oh, I've got that skill. Um, I was I used to be able to do that. Mm. Um, I've got that ability how can I and the next question to ask is how can I use that skill how can I use that ability how can I bring that value into the business that I'm currently you know currently in so uh, another example of this was conversation I had last night actually in the car with a client no not last night because that was Sunday can't remember now Friday night last week sometime (laughs) anyway and it was um with, with a guy and we we're talking about um recruitment mm. and that he's really struggling to recruit uh, in his business and, and get people in and we got chatting we started asking about you know talking about what he used to do 
And it turns out that when he was a teenager, he used to work in recruitment. <laughs> and I said to him, look, I know the world of recruitment has changed a bit, but fundamentally, what did you do back then? Because this is probably pre-Indeed. Mm. And he said, well, we didn't have LinkedIn. We just cold call companies and get chatting to people. You know, we'd, we'd go to websites if they had a website or directories and find people that we were interested in and we'd just cold call them and say, how's it going? Do you like your job? And would you be interested in another one? Mm. So I said, well, do that then. How, how many calls have you made to technicians that you're after who are already working in other people's businesses? Well, but they're not looking for a job. No, they may not be looking for a job, but that doesn't mean they're not necessarily satisfied with the one that they've got. Mm. You can't make that assumption on uh, on their behalf. But, oh, but then we get might get loads of people. And I said, <laughs> well, brilliant. But that doesn't mean you have to hire them. Mm. Create a pool of, of talent that you can go back to at a later date. And when you, when you look at it like that, I mean, there are two things that came out of that for me. One was... He's got this skill. He's not afraid mm. of picking up the phone, talking to strangers and basically saying to them, do you want something different to what you've currently got? Let me see what I can, you know, I've got this firm that's looking, you know, for someone with your skill set. Mm. I'm sure they'd love to have a chat with you. Are you interested? But he would struggle to do that for his own business. Mm. So then that comes full circle back around to kind of, well, set yourself up as a client. And yeah. just for this short period of time, um, retain your get your business to retain you as a rec- as a recruiter for the business. Mm-hmm. Regurgitate those skills that you've clearly got, and use them. Mm-hmm. Or get a recruiter <laughs> who's going to charge you four grand a land when you could do it yourself. Yeah, and you're already really good at it. So why would you not? Yeah. And so I think you know that that's a great example of recognizing the. You know, I, I've always kidded myself that, oh, I'm not really very good at sales and, you know, that, that sort of stuff. But I go back to being 19 and spending hours and hours putting flyers through people's doors, knocking on them if I thought they had kids in, and just having conversations cold on the doorstep. Mm. We're setting up this brand new tennis club just around the corner on the old wreck and we're literally in the middle putting the fencing up. See, you've got kids. Would you like to bring them down for a trial session? Oh, no, they'll replay tennis. Oh, it's just good fun, you know, it's totally free. Come down, we've even got an ice cream. Oh, well, I didn't know. <laughs> ice cream. <laughs> yeah. And, and and I've gone through a stage of going, oh, I'm not very good at selling, I'm a little bit nervous, I don't like mm. it. I've done it. Mm. I've walked into shops cold and asked for sponsorship for a leaflet that we hadn't printed yet because <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't afford to print it, which is why we needed the sponsorship. So actually, I've got these skills um, not just selling myself as a tennis coach, but selling the product we had overall mm. to selling something we hadn't even built yet. So mm. an idea, if you like, was very successful at all three. Yet I seem to think I can't do that anymore. But even now as I'm saying it, I'm kind of going, well, I know I can because mm. I've done it. And I've generated hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of revenue just knocking on people's doors what's stopping me doing that now so you've told yourself a story in the intervening years that you can't do it i can't do it yeah so yeah it's Mm. interesting there um i do think this thought about 
what what have you got in your locker mm. that you could be using to benefit your own business um especially if it's a current skill mm-hmm. but also if it's a previous skill how can you you know leverage it bring it into what you're doing now and take advantage of it so that your your benefit you know your business benefits from it mm. Mm. be interesting to see what people say then maybe they can comment with a an old skill that they can brush off and use in their business yeah and bring it through i just, I just it just it was just i couldn't believe it when we had that first conversation you 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 know he, he was a six you know a six-figure marketer and he hasn't got a marketing strategy for his own <laughs> business and you're just a little bit like whoa <laughs> yeah well, there's the answer to all your problems right there. And you know how to do it. Yeah. Do it. Yeah. Really good. Cool. Mm, interesting. See you next week. See you next week. You've been listening to Winning at Business. We really hoped you enjoyed this episode. And as always, if you have topics you'd like us to cover, get in touch and we'll do our best to make it happen. Don't forget, you can also get your copy of Hitting the Wall, the book that inspired this podcast from Amazon and other retailers. Bye for now until the next episode.